your Locked On Penguins, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, welcome to this Tuesday afternoon edition of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at Eleanor's. L-O underscore Penguins, excuse me. Uh, we were supposed to have the episode with Jeff from the Peds blog go up on Friday. You know, then my Mac decided to be a piece of garbage, and it just deleted the file after I tried to um, basically put it back up. So, you know, that's just what happens with technology sometimes. You know, it's almost as, as, as unlucky as Chris Letang breaking his stick twice in the same game from last week. But we have Jeff here. Um, buddy, h- how you doing? I am hanging in there. Um you know, just doing doing about as uh, as good as you can here in uh, in the COVID world that we're living in. But uh, appreciate you having me on, man. Yeah, absolutely. I haven't had you on in a while. Um, you know, the, I see light at the end of the tunnel. I think for this pandemic, you know, there are fans, of course, back in the building tonight. Fifteen percent capacity for the Penguins. You know, I said yesterday probably could have waited another month to do it because for more people in the country to get the vaccine. But you know, the big news today, Jeff, obviously, as fans are allowed back in the building and we're still in the pandemic. Sidney Crosby is out for tonight's game as he's on the COVID list. I'm unsure if he has the coronavirus. He probably just was close to someone that had it. But if he has it, you know, he's going to be out, obviously, for a lot longer. Um, I, obviously, you know, I know everyone knows this is a huge loss for the Penguins and one of their biggest games of the season. And, Jeff, I think they need 2019 version of Evgeny Malkin to show up tonight. What about you? <laughs> yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I, I think I think it's just – it is just so Penguins to uh, – to start allowing fans back into the building and then have the have the captain go out, um, you know, on the protocol. But yeah, you know what? Um, I think I think Malkin is really kind of starting to look a little bit more like himself. Um, you know, he, he's he's kind of starting to get more more towards the the high scoring areas, which you know, just something he wasn't doing in the first 14, 15 games of the season. Um, but yeah, I mean, all eyes are going to be on him. Um, you know, with with sit out, whether that be you know shorter or. or or medium term here. Um, you know, he, he's kind of getting the, the two best possible wingers um, that he can with, with Rust and Gensel, assuming that those are, that those are going to be his, his line mates tonight. Um, you know, it, it's, it's tough. I mean, you know, there's still that kind of almost like kind of stink on him from the, from the first part of the season where he, where he really was not Evgeny Malkin. Yeah. Um, so, so kind of hoping, hoping he lights it up and maybe, maybe a little bit optimistic, but at the same time, I mean, it kind of has to happen at this point, right? I mean, no Crosby, you know, all, all eyes really all are on, on Malkin here. Yeah. I think this is, yeah, the prime time for him to come out of his shell or, you know, he's come out of his shell a little bit, but you know, the prime time for him to fully come out of that shell, um, I think tonight, Jeff, he's going to be playing with uh, Jake Gensel and Brian Rust, you know, that line played. Um, quite a few games last year. I think it was 21, 30 or something like that. I, know, I remember their underlying numbers were ridiculously good. I mean, their expected goals, I think they controlled them was 60% when they were there. On um, possession, they were insane. Um, you know, there was a lot of people saying that they should just should have left Gensel on Malkin's wing um, going into the return to play. You know, I wouldn't have hated it just because Gensel has seemed to fit with both star players. But, you know, it, it seems to think right now that 
that's going to be the top line tonight, Gensel, Malkin, Rust, and then they can put McCann as a second-line center, move him over there to his natural position, and maybe put Kappen in there with him on his right wing, and then, geez, the forward depth is just really lacking right now without Jason Zucker out. <laughs> I, I honestly don't even know who you put at left wing. I mean, you, you can't really move Zach Aston Reese up from his line, can you? I mean, well, they may have to, to be honest. Yeah, I, I would, if I were a betting man, which, I mean, obviously, I I am, but... Uh, hey, you did good with the Islanders game on Saturday. I did, I did sure. good on, on Sunday, yeah, but <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I wouldn't be surprised to see maybe Brandon Tanev up there, just because, you know, they they finished um, they finished the game um, with with Tanev playing with, with Malkin and, um, and McCann the other night. Um, that's probably the way that... that I could maybe see Sullivan leaning. Um, otherwise, you're looking at probably like someone, someone like Sevier or um, or Angelo getting bumped up, um, just to kind of see what they do. But I w- I would anticipate um, probably the Bluger line getting getting the bulk of of the the five on five minutes mm-hmm. um, in that kind of second line role. Not that they're necessarily a second line, but. Um, you know, you recall earlier in the season. That's that's sort of what was what was happening. Was was those guys were were getting a, a bulk of those um, those minutes upwards of you know thirteen, fourteen, fifteen minutes a night. Yeah, and and I think I agree with you. They're probably going to get the bulk of the minutes tonight. I mean, they really only have the Penguins really only have one elite line going into tonight. I mean, obviously, if they keep. The Ashwings Bluger Tanev line um, intact, which you know may, they may they may have to move Brandon Tanev up, like you said. Um, it's going to take a hit because I mean Sam Lafferty's going to have to move up the lineup, and his numbers have been dreadful to start the season. And then you have the fourth line, which is just basically an AHL's first line because I mean <laughs> Anthony Angelo and Drew O'Connor. I mean of course he went down to the taxi squad. Anthony Angelo and. You know, just Colton Sevier, everyone else that plays down there has not done a damn thing this season. And, of course, Mark Jankowski is still day-to-day with his injury. He will be out tonight as well. So, you know, just as it looks like the Penguins are getting a bit healthier, you know, Brian Dumoulin started to skate. Evan Rodriguez is still, you know, he's getting closer to coming back. You know, they get hit with Sidney Crosby going on the COVID list. And, of course, Jason Zucker um, is going to be out probably for a couple months with that knee ankle injury. I'm not really sure what it is. Mike Sullivan's always really doesn't say a lot when it comes to injuries. But, you know, as for this game overall, Jeff, I mean, this truly is one of their biggest games of the season. I think this week against the Flyers is their biggest week of the season. You see where they are at in the standings. Um, I think they tie them with a win in regulation tonight. It will be peak Pittsburgh Penguins to win this game in regulation um, after not really not having a lot of regulation wins overall, um, just because, you know, when Sidney Crosby or another player gets hurt, they just seem to play their best hockey and they simplify the game. So um, we'll not be surprised if they won this game. But just for the week overall, how big do you see this week for Pittsburgh as they they finally have Buffalo and New Jersey coming up? Yeah, you know, this this week and, and really this whole this whole month of March really feels like an inflection point for this team. I mean, mm-hmm. you you have every every game except four in in March are, are at home and, and that, and, you know, getting, getting fans back might, might help that, uh, help that a little bit more, but, um, you know, they're finally kind of getting into what you have to consider is, is the easier part of our, of the schedule. I mean, you know, they, they, they haven't fared well against the, the devils the last couple of years, but, but getting, you know, seven games combined against Buffalo and Jersey is, is, it should be a boost for them to, to bank some points, but you know, you're, you're absolutely right. Kicking this, uh, kicking this month off with three straight games against, against the flyers isn't, isn't ideal, but it's going to, 
it's going to really tell us a lot about the guts that this team has. Yeah, absolutely. And I said going into this week, they probably need to take four out of six points against Philadelphia. I mean, I would love all six. I mean, five out of six would be awesome too. But um, they have to win two of these three games, I think, in regulation. Um, sure, overtime wins, it, it helps. But, you know, you can't be giving points to the Flyers, especially as these standings are so close. It's a five-team race. Four teams get in, one team gets left out. Um, right now, of course, Penguins are on the outside looking in, but um, it's just, this is, yeah, you, you said it best. I, I think it's, it's just the really big pivotal moment in the season for Pittsburgh. 12 of their 16 games this month are at PBJ Paints Arena. They are 7-1 and one there overall this season with the fans coming back. Like you said, it could give them a boost. Uh, but, you know, hopefully that starts tonight, 7 p.m. on NBC Sports Network. Um, before we do get to a commercial break, um, the goaltending matchup tonight, Tristan Jari, Carter Hart. Um, Jari will will look to have his like eighth or ninth uh, good start in a row. You know, Je- Jeff, I was always been wondering this about him this season. Is is the is this the normal Jari? I guess from the last two and a half weeks, where he just put up a nine twenty nine thirty save percentage, or is the real Jari we saw from the first couple weeks of the season, who was like sub sub replacement level, like bottom five in the league and goal save above expected, where he was eight forty eight fifty. I, I think he's he's got to be considered somewhere somewhere in the middle, and I know that's kind of like, it might be like a little bit of a cop out, but you know, you you look at last season, he had he had a lot of uh, a lot of ups and downs, and then really finished the season right around league average, and I think that's that's about what what he is, and frankly, that's all of this that this team needs. But you know, like you, like you mentioned, you know, over the, over the last over the last seven starts, he's got a nine twenty three save percentage, stopping just under. 85% of the high danger shots he's faced, um, you know, and he, he's saving, he's still saving over, over three goals above expectation. So, you know, those are, those are numbers when, when the team isn't really playing all that well in front of him mm. that, um, that, you know, you want, you need to see, you know, and, and there have been times over the last, over the last couple of games, especially on Saturday night where, um, you know, he's, he's kept them in games just long enough for, for them to make a comeback and, and they've done that now, obviously, um, you know, Sunday with the Smith, I, I feel like it, it's something that you can kind of just throw out because it's the second of a back to back with, with the Islanders and you, you just know how they're, how they're going to play. But yeah, I think, I think Jari, Jari's kind of rounding in the form. He's, he's obviously been a lot better than he has at the beginning of the year. And I, I think somewhere in the middle is probably a, a, a fine place for, for him to kind of, for him to thrive. Yeah, I mean, I've been saying all year they need league average goaltending. If he's 9-10, 9-15 every night, um, that should be good enough for this team. But, you know, they got to start getting some regulation wins going here, um, especially this week. Um, in the next segment, we are going to touch on a whole lot of special teams. Still a lot more to come uh, for this podcast. But before we do that, it is time to talk about rockauto.com. It's a family business serving auto bar customers online for 20 years. You can go to rockauto.com and shop for auto and body parts for hundreds of manufacturers. The catalog on the site is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at the website are always reliably low and the same professionals and do-it-yourselvers. Why should you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? You can go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car truck and you can write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. All right, welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. Um, 
Jeff, let's just talk about the elephant in the room. I touched on it on my regular episode yesterday. I'm going to bring it up with you. Um, the Penguins' pathetic special teams because it, both of them are sinking their season right now. Um, the PK, you know, we'll touch on the power play after this, but the PK, I think, is the most alarming just because of how great it was last season. The personnel really hasn't changed. Um, the same players from last year basically kill penalties, I mean, except for Jack Johnson, but he stunk at it anyway. The unit was still pretty good. But... You know, I just, when I watch them play, you know, against like, you know, the Islanders power player, the Capitals, but, you know, they've done a good job on the Capitals one somehow, but they can't stop the Islanders. But overall for this season, they're way too passive. They're not getting their sticks in shooting lanes, not really blocking any shots. Um, they're leaving guys wide open near the circles. They're trying to cover the middle of the ice. Just what would you do if you were Mike Vellucci to just get this uh, penalty kill going? Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting, right? So you, you almost kind of get the sense that against teams that are, um, that are big on, on firing from that, um, from like Ovechkin street, they do, they do well with, you know, they, they, they're, they know how to shadow those types of, of, um, of power plays. It's, it's interesting though, because, you know, you look at, um, you look at the rate of unblocked shots that, that they're giving up mm-hmm. and only the Rangers and the Bruins and the division are giving up fewer than the Penguins. They're, they're kind of a middle of the road team in, in terms of the expected goals they're, they're giving up while they're shorthanded, but only the, only the Bruins and the Caps are giving up fewer than them. Um, and then when you look at, when you kind of look at some of the, um, some of the location maps, they're, they're allowing teams to, to fire from, from the right point. Um, a lot. Um, and then the left side of the ice is a little bit, um, hit or miss, but by and large, they're, they're controlling the, the face-off circles where they're really getting, getting beat is in the mid slot and on either side of the goal. So it almost kind of strikes me as, you know, the teams that kind of operate down low are the ones that are, that are really, really giving them, giving them, uh, fits here. Um, and along the same lines, I mean, they're, they're simply not getting saves on, on the penalty kill. Mm-hmm. Um, just in the division alone, only, only Jersey has a, has a worse shorthanded save percentage. And overall the Penguins are, are 27th. So it, it's, it's tough for me to, to really get, to really get a sense here is the, is the really what's going on because, you know, about half of the, half of the division is is worse than them on, on the kill. So it's almost, it almost kind of makes me think that, you know, because they're facing teams that have, that have historically had pretty good power plays, that this is just the nature of what it's going to be this year, that, you know, the, the, the really, really good power plays are just going to figure it out and they're going to score goals. And, you know, you kind of just have to maybe get a little bit lucky and, and go on a, go on a, a five to 10 game run where, where you just, you can't be beat on the, on the kill and the penguins just simply haven't been there yet. They haven't even really been close to being there yet. Uh, Jeff, I think uh, in 15 of 20 games this season, the penguins have given up a power play goal Uh, for anyone that is bad at math. That is 75%. So um, (laughs) not good is the words there. Um, But even like just, with the Islanders, I think overall, I think at a, t- at a moment during this se- uh, g- couple games this past weekend, they were four for seven on the season in six games. 
on the power play, I mean, in contrast, uh, the Penguins, uh, the Capitals on the power play were only two of 19 before they got their third power play goal. That was the difference maker in the game last week. So um, it is pretty interesting to see them succeed against some good power plays, especially the Capitals. They have a number one power play in the league, but they're struggling against an Islanders power play that has been usually below average these last few years. I mean, they didn't really have a good power play, and yet they went to the conference final last year. Um, it's just I think some power play units seem to give the Penguins fits, and like I said, I just they're giving up some areas on the circles, just one timers, and they're not really um, getting sticks in the way of passing lanes there. And you know, I remember the, the Brock Nelson one was the one that really irked me this weekend, Jeff. He's basically just sitting in front of the net. There's three players around him, and he's just basically getting a free ride there and gets a tip on a on a puck and goes uh, past Jari. And I was just like. Uh, is this really what we're doing here? You're just going to let Brock Nelson hang out in front of your goalie? It's just like there's some weird strategies going on with it. And I want to see them be more aggressive, take away the front of the net more. Um, I understand that they're trying to take away the middle of the ice, but like you, you got to take away the front of the net. That's, I think, the most important thing for a successful penalty killing unit. Yeah, I, I would agree, and I, I think I think you know part of it too is um, it almost feels like every little every little mistake, every little hiccup that they that they have on the kill. It just it ends up in the back of the net, mm-hmm. and I, I don't I don't know how you how you clean that up because mistakes are going to happen, right? I mean that's just that's the nature of the game, and and I think at those pivotal moments, um, you know, you kind of have to have to hope that it, maybe the puck just hits your goalie and just sticks. Yeah, I think yeah, I agree with that. I'm I'm hoping that Tristan Jari can make some more saves um, to bail the penalty killers out in the next few games. Um, but, you know, let's get to the power play now because, you know, I think some people would also argue that the power play has been a bigger disappointment than the penalty kill. You know, I'm, you know, probably a lot of the fan base would. You know, I'm, I'm kind of on the fence about it. I think both are almost as equally disappointing. Um, but the power play, just, you know, they reverted back to their early season form. It looked good for a week. They were actually scoring on their chances. They were every three to four passes, there was a shot on net. They weren't making stupid passes where the passing lane's not there. But now they just threw all of that out the window. And I mean, even the zone entries are terrible now Malkin looks lost on there sometimes even Chris Letang looks a little lost though I do think his game has rebounded a lot better um in the last week um would you make any personnel changes to that power play just what are you seeing that's going wrong for that unit right now I I don't think that they have the bodies right now to to make any changes yeah um you know I I think I think maybe the the one you could have possibly considered was um was elevating Zucker or or maybe Matheson, but you know, with with Crosby being out, maybe you'll see someone like Matheson on the point. I don't know, um, but you know, I, I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to look at the power play um, through the lens of um, when they had that close to a week off, right? So mm. they played the first eleven games; they were dreadful. The last nine games, they're shooting the puck roughly fifty percent more than they than they were in the first eleven. They're scoring about one more goal per hour, um, and their expected goals rate in the last nine games is over two times that of the first eleven. Interesting. So the pieces are are kind of all there. I mean, you can see a lot of the movement. Um, you know, it, it's it's certainly not anywhere near as stagnant as it was in the in the first um, yeah. in the first eleven games. Um, the possession time in the offensive zone is there now. The the zone entries for me have have been a problem since they traded Phil Kessel. Um, you know, it's it's been one of those. They've been one of those units that if they can establish their possession off the off the faceoff win, 
they're they're in good shape. But as soon as you clear the puck and they have to get into the zone, uh, it, it kind of becomes becomes a bit of a nightmare. Um, what really what's really stuck out to me, and and you kind of run into this, especially with an Islanders team that is so disciplined in their own end of the ice, um, and especially in the Caps game on Thursday, uh, when Tom Wilson lost his stick, that four man unit just collapsed. They stayed compact. They just protected the slot, mm-hmm. um, and they kind of they just kept the pens to the outside. Now, part of what the Penguins were trying to do, and, and I'm going to put uh, overpass here in, in quotes, but you know they were they were overpassing. They've been overpassing a little bit, and I think that's because they're trying to draw the the penalty killers out to kind of open up some of those lanes. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, when you when when you run into a more conservative, strict uh, penalty killing unit it becomes a little bit more difficult for, for you to draw them out. Um, you know, that said, I think, you know, if they, if they can continue to, to keep the puck in the offensive zone um, and kind of create the way that they've been creating the last nine games. And, you know, look, they, they've created nearly three times as many high danger chances um, in the last nine games as they have in the first 11. I think if they can continue to do this, um, especially against teams, um, that are a little bit more aggressive on the, on the uh, penalty kill, mm. you know, we might see the floodgates open here this month um, and see them go on an absolute run. I mean, you know, like I said, the, the devil's penalty kill is not very good. I can't imagine the Sabres are going to be in any better shape than <laughs> when they run into them. So, you know, you can, you can probably expect the Bruins to shut them down. Um, you can expect the Islanders to probably shut them down a little bit. Um, but going, seeing, games as much as they're going to against the Sabres and the Devils and, um, you know, hopefully the Rangers, uh, you might see them see this power play start clicking here, um, you know, sooner rather than later. I, I, I sure hope so. Cause you know, you're, you're, they're not, this team's not going to win games with both of you, these units being bad. Um, you know, you, you can win, you can still win games being great at five, a five, getting good goaltending, you know, your power plays average and your penalty kill kind of stinks. Um, or with vice versa, you know, your power play being bad and your penalty kill being great, but you're not going to win many games when both of these units are just, you know, the way they are at right now. Um, it is interesting that they're that they're creating, you know, three times more high danger chances over the last nine games. You know, it certainly doesn't feel like it sometimes as you watch them just kind of flutter into the zone and just ha- it almost feels like it's a momentum swing for the other team. Um, but... You know, it's just you know, this this week it's going to be a lot harder for them, to, I guess, to break out of it, just because Sidney Crosby's not going to be on that unit now, especially for tonight. We don't know what, what's going to happen for the next games, uh, and then you're just going to have to really have the power play go through Evgeny Malkin. Also, Jeff, I really think this unit is missing Patrick Hornquist. He's been a force in Florida on their top unit this year. Obviously, you know Kessel not being on that half wall, you know, with the playmaker that he is. Obviously, he had a great shot. That stings, but. You know, the Hornquist one, I think that's really the big absence that they're feeling right now. They just don't have that true net front presence that can clean up the garbage. I would actually like to see this year's power play with him on it because I feel like the numbers would have been a hell of a lot better than they are right now. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think I think they're missing Hornquist at five on five, too. Yeah. But, um, you know, you, you look at you look at where where uh, the Penguins are kind of exceeding um you know, the, the league average here on, on the power play, you know, they're, they're doing well on, um, down low below the circles, Mm -hmm. um, on either side of the net. Um, you know, Malkin's obviously been, been a trigger man on the, uh, on the half wall. And then, you know, as Latang kind of drifts over to, uh, to kind of the left side of the ice, he's been, he's, he's been really, really shooting the puck well from, from there. 
you know, the, the, the big issue has been, um, you know, the, the high and, and middle slot. Yep. Um, you know, they're, they're just not getting that penetration, but down low they're, they're generally doing okay. Mm-hmm. But you know, you're, you're kind of seeing, um, the, the same kind of, uh, the same kind of issue you have at five on five where, um, you know, directly in front of the net, it's, it's been, um, it's been kind of a little bit of a black hole, um, for them, but, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm with you there. I think, I think Hornquist probably, I think losing Hornquist, um, hurt a little bit more than, than anyone I think really realized, even as he does kind of, uh, kind of decline as, as he ages. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, just for some peak chaos, uh, Jeff, you know, I said yesterday, I think it's time they put Mike Matheson on the top properly and have him quarterback it. You know, but what else can you do at this point? He's the, you said it on your Twitter. He's the most entertaining player that this team has right now, just with how awesome he is at one end of the ice and how ridiculous, ridiculous he is at the other end of the ice. So I just feel like, you know, you put Matheson to one of his strengths and you let him quarterback it. Um, I think the unit would get better. I, I really think that. Do you do you remember um, back when when Goligoski was running the power play and they switched him to to letting him be a bit of a rover? Yep. Where mm-hmm. he just kind of drifted anywhere that he wanted to go in the in the offensive zone. Yes. I almost wonder, you know, how Matheson would would kind of thrive in that role because I mean he is he is total chaos. You know, he's he's a true kind of two hundred foot defenseman that that you know don't really exist in in large numbers in in this league, but I. I wonder just knowing that knowing his ability to kind of navigate the entire offensive zone um, whenever he, he he feels he feels the need to. I almost wonder, you know, how he would how he would do in, in sort of that in that role, um, you know, letting letting Latang run the center point, um, putting Malkin, you know, on the, on his half wall and and letting the other three kind of just dictate play down low. Yeah, yeah, I, I feel like if he, he would be in a rover, he can just honestly do whatever the hell he wants. Um, you know, I, I think the unit would be a lot more fun to watch. I think they would get, um, I think, a few more goals at the very least. But, um, you know, always great power play and penalty kill talk with Jeff. Um, we'll, we'll see how the units do tonight. The Flyers have um, two pretty decent units with their special teams. And for the Penguins to solve Carter Hart, you know, I know he hasn't been as good this year as he was last year. Um, he still, he can get hot at any point. So that's going to be an interesting matchup. But before we do get to the next segment, it's time to talk about bet online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. You can get real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. It has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up for you can head to the website betonline.ag or use your phone to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code locked on. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. So, Jeff, you know, we're, we're getting closer to that time. And by the way, I mean that time, you know, trade deadline season, one of my favorite times of the year. Uh, every time, you know, in a normal year, we would have had the trade deadline by now. We would, we would have been, you know, just kind of refreshing Twitter at work or in school or whatever for the last hour, half an hour, just honestly all day. But, you know, we're still about a month and a half away right now. Um, do you think Ron Hextall should be more inclined to go after a top six forward to maybe push Kapanen down the lineup when this team is fully healthy? Or do you think this team needs more of like a third or fourth line player to play with Jared McCann and just let the Astronauts Blue Rutanov line be their total fourth line. 
Before the Zucker injury, uh, I I would have said probably a top nine forward. Um, now with with Zucker being out and and Kapanen really kind of coming back down to earth and and, sh- and being the player that we that we all kind of uh, expected him to be, which you know isn't a knock against him, but he's his his ceiling's a top nine winger, probably a third line winger. Period. Um, and, and you know I think I think leaving him leaving him there is probably the the right move going forward, regardless of how, how long Crosby's out. Um, you know, I, but you know, the, to kind of answer your question, I think, I think a top six forward is, is probably the way to go at this point. You know, if you, if you land on, on, you know, a guy that, um, that can play anywhere in the top nine, um, I think, you know, that, that gives you more of the flexibility that, that you need, especially with this team getting injured as much as it does. Um, but yeah, I think I think a top six forward is is probably a way to go. Now that's not to say that that they even have the pieces to get it done. Yeah. But um, Hextall Hextall has proven over over his career that um, that he can be he can be that kind of general manager that, that um, you know gets things done um, you know with with little resources. Yeah, I think he's he's not going to really overpay like a certain someone would. Though I think you know for a top six player, you know someone like Kyle Palmieri. Obviously, I saw Danny for your site wrote about that. Victor Arvidsson from Nashville. I mean, basically everyone in Nashville is being up for sale right now. He basically just called David Poyle and asked about any one of his players, except for a select few. Um, if getting Dadnov is on my list, um, Jeff from Ottawa. Um, I think he's a UFA after this year, if I'm not mistaken, and he's put up some decent numbers. Um, you know, for a buy low candidate, maybe, you know, Bobby Ryan, I don't think he's a top six player, but you know, you stick him on the third or fourth line. Um, he can probably produce a hell of a lot better than Sam Lafferty, Anthony Angelo, Colton Sevier, or Drew O'Connor. Um, but then, you know, I also wanted to get your thoughts on this. You know, I saw Hextel had his media, um, availability after he announced the hire of Chris Pryor. And I think someone, I think it was Mike DeFabo of the Post-Gazette that asked him about, you know, the Wilson situation, you know, are, are you going to like acquire a player that will, I guess, you know, be tough towards him or m- make sure they don't take runs at the star players or, you know, are you more like Mike Sullivan who just says, you know, just play, beat them on the scoreboard. You know, his, his answer was interesting. You know, he said he sides more with Mike, but he says in the short term, he would like to bring someone in who's a bit more physical. I'm, I'm hoping that it's nothing like Jim Rutherford would do with Ryan Reeves. I'm hoping maybe his, his little physical talk is someone like a Blake Coleman because people say he's physical, but is a really good player um a player like matthew kachuk you know just of his ability he's not he's a physical player but he's also a really good offensive player just what 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 are your thoughts on that yeah i mean no no amount of goons are, are gonna is gonna stop tom yeah. wilson from doing what tom wilson does and i think i think if you're gonna bring in someone that's uh that plays more of that physical game um you know you you kind of have to um have to go after someone that that kind of hits with a purpose, not just hits to hits. Um, doesn't just like fight to fight. Um, so guys like like Coleman, like you mentioned, um, you know, obviously Kachuk is is cut from that same cloth. Um, you know, guys like Josh Anderson. Um, not that he's readily, he's going to be available or anything like that, but those are the type of guys that that you know you can you would kind of expect um, from a from a sandpaper perspective. Um, as long as they can play, I don't care. I don't care. You know, you can have the, the big long pants hockey, uh, guys come in, um, as long as they can play, who cares? Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. You know, I just I, you don't really want to have a repeat of just trading a first round pick for Ryan Reeves or exactly the, the Jamie Alexiak situation where they acquired him and then he lost to Tom Wilson in a fight. And then Jim Rutherford said, "The hell with you. You know, if you're going to do that, I just don't want you on my team anymore." And he shipped him back to Dallas um, for that same pick that I think he traded. So um, it's yeah, yeah. I would rather have someone who actually can put up decent offensive numbers. It can be a little bit physical. You know, just you know to have a play like Cody Cece did on Wilson, completely clean hit you know that was the message in response and then afterwards you can laugh in his face that you won the game you know just going back down that rabbit hole is not going to do anything because in that prior to that game in those five meetings he hadn't done anything I mean right he scored a couple goals in one game but like he hadn't you know taken a run at any penguin player so I just you know there's no need to even have it cross into so many people's minds I just really don't understand it but um Jeff, I, I don't think I have anything else to ask you for this one. Um, this team definitely is in dire need of results right now. They, this is the month where they need to go on their run. 12-16 at home. They have a healthy dose of the Sabres and the Devils coming up. I know the Penguins have played down to shitty competition in the past, but with 32 points up for grabs against those two teams, they have to maybe take at least... 25, 20, 24, 24 and above. You know, I want 24 or higher, probably 26 or higher, to be honest, if they want to make the playoffs. But, um, Jeff, where can they find you on Twitter and where can they find your work? Uh, you can find my work on thepensblog.com and on Twitter, I am Jeff with an O, all one, one uh, I guess, word uh, spelled G E O F F. Yes, he changed his Twitter again because I think that's the third time he's changed his Twitter. Oh, overall. it's only my second. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, I had to give him a crap for that. But uh, thank you all so much for listening to this episode. We'll have another episode tomorrow on Wednesday with the listener takeaways and recapping um, the Penguins game. If you guys are not in the Pittsburgh area, it, it is on NBC Sports Network. Um, of course, if you are in the Pittsburgh area, you, you'll get it on AT&T Sports Network. So, um, Happy, hope you all have a great rest of your day, and I will talk to you all on Wednesday.